0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an
1: actor and comedian. I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor and psychotherapist. More importantly, your hair is a, a work of art. Oh, thank you look so at, much. Look it's at it, kind. you folks.
0: You know, you're if you're listening in the car, you really you're not getting a visual. <laughs> it's like a perfect <laughs> swoop. Is that with a with a hair dryer? Yes, brush? it is. Yes, it's beautiful. So oh, what would happen you. if you didn't do that? It would get all curly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's not Would very it be curly. wavy? Nah, it's just, it's kind of wavy, but not in a, like a cute, you know, its own way. It just kind of goes oh. all over the place. So I just, help, oh. you know, just kind of direct it a little bit. Oh, it's but, you very know, nice. It's very, it's, <laughs> and,
0: and, and the way the um, I'm just going to talk. I'm not going to narrate your hair. The way the gray <laughs> is in it now, you're like Dr. Strange. You're very, uh, you could play Dr. Strange at Disneyland. Anyway, um, I just got back from Hawaii
1: Oh, I was guest.
0: I know I was guest starring on Hawaii NCIS. I was there for five days, Matthew. I worked one. Oh, how is how was the weather? So, uh, be glorious! It's Hawaii, <laughs> so it just rains and then it stops and then it rains and then sometimes it's sunny and it's raining. Yeah, but it's like eighty degrees out. I did nothing but eat. I didn't exercise once. <laughs> and my trainer this morning was like. What happened?
1: Oh, <laughs> like,
0: it's the holidays, Meliky you, you, I know, I I lost a little bit of strength, but um, this was a dream gig. This was a bingo, and I was yeah. telling everybody on set, you know, you've all hit the jackpot, right? You were filming a series in Hawaii, so amazing. Um, oh, my point is that <laughs> I had one. It? I was there, and then I I texted my husband. Uh, I'm not drinking, right? <laughs> so I didn't get into any mischief. I okay. wasn't. I was very very good. I think about sex all the time. Uh-huh. Like, it just occurred to me, like, while I was sitting in the lobby of the hotel and going to the airport and just clocking everybody, I'm thinking about sex all the time. Is that normal?
1: Well, okay, when you say thinking about sex, specifically, what are you thinking about? I'm
0: like, if, like, a hot guy crosses my—is is like, you know, I see them. Right. I'm thinking, yeah, you're naked and your pants are off. And, um, yeah, I'm just thinking about sex. This is a mental health podcast, by the way, folks. If you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. Uh, if you're a return listener, don't forget to download and subscribe. Thank you for being here. So, uh, how clinical... often is this?
1: you say you say all the time? So, how often is it that you're all about the time,
0: sex? all the time, mm-hmm. all the time? Like, like I think that it, it, um, uh, I, I don't think I'm alone in this sentiment, but uh, I, I think about how often do you think about sex.
1: You don't think I don't, about it I that much. I don't think about it all the time, but I think about it often enough. You know, yeah, few You're, times, well, you, several times a day. <laughs>
0: you live in in West Hollywood. You're walking down the street. You're seeing yeah. attractive men everywhere. And yeah, but
1: you know what? Yeah. If I if I see if I see guys that I'm attracted to, I'm not automatically trying to imagine them naked or having sex with them. It's almost hmm. like I'm just kind of like, oh, I just really like the way they look. I don't know. Uh, really. <laughs> Wow, I mean, sometimes (laughs) it is. You're
0: you never look at a guy and go like, "Uh Mm. oh, I'm sorry, I was supposed to say, um, would you be comfortable
1: sharing?" With I appreciate the invitation. Whether well, or not okay, you so ob- for,
0: sexually objectify
1: people on site, <laughs> well, that's already been happening. So we've yeah, really kind of broken yeah, that wall down, haven't yeah. we? I just um, talked but-
0: about your hair. I didn't talk about your body.
1: <laughs> I know. It's still, objectification. I didn't talk about your Instagram. Yes, yes, thank you. Okay. okay, but for you, has sex been has sex been a way that you validated yourself? Has that been a, a way that you've you know? Oh uh, yeah, no, this a, is, a currency.
0: This- I was thinking it had a lot to do with my old um, sex and love addiction stuff. Yeah. That I was always like, beep, 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 beep right. always kind of looking on my screen about yes. like. And then I forget that, that it's a spectrum that not everybody's sexual. Like there are some people who just aren't sexual. I mean, you just said you're not thinking about ripping anybody's clothes off. You're just thinking, I like the way they look. I'm thinking yeah. past that.
1: <laughs> i mean the, for sure i mean kind of in i think probably to the far extreme there's people who are uh i should say extreme but like kind of on one end of the spectrum there are people who are asexual who don't really experience any of those kind of sexual right. thoughts or desires things like that um are not interested in having sex um but that it, but it's not it's not it's not like you know a binary thing either either it's that or it's all the time obviously it's mm. kind of a it's a whole spectrum and so everybody kind of falls anywhere along that spectrum mm. i guess my question for you is the amount to which you are thinking about sex, does it feel intrusive? Does it feel problematic? Are you judging no. it? Like what's what's the thing? No,
0: I think I just noticed it because I was alone for five days. I right. mean, I, I have friends there and I had dinner with people, but for the most part I was walking around and um, I was alone with my thoughts. And I was like, wow, dude, you think about sex a lot.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that, well, yeah. that's the observation, right? Like that's just yeah. data for you. The observation that's the that you're, observation.
0: the observation,
1: yeah. oh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of thoughts that are coming up yeah. about sex. What's the, what's the meaning that you attach to that?
0: I'm wondering like, if that is like uh, typical or does that seem uh, like a lot? Like, is it typical for. So you're questioning um, if there's something wrong with it. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Let's no, say, let's, I kind of want to
0: know where I am on the spectrum.
1: Okay. But let's say, okay. So let's say on the spectrum, you're, uh-huh. you're to the far end where it's, it's a lot. <laughs> what, what would that mean to you? If it, if you, if you thought about sex much more than the average person, what would that mean okay. to you?
0: Um, nothing. It would just, it would just be useful information. It'd be like, okay. What well, would you use sense. it for? What would that, it mean? That lines up. Um, I would, I would, I would get a sash and a crown. <laughs> and um and it would say Miss Thinks About Sex the Most 2021.
1: Well, how wonderful. I love how non-judgmental you're <laughs> assessing your own sexual desires because Listen, it's very easy. Listen, it's it's very, it's very easy for us, especially, you know, kind of in this country and in and, yes. and, you know, this culture for us to have so much shame around sex, especially as, you know, kind of queer people too, to have so much shame around that because you know, like we're rooted in these puritanical beliefs. That's just kind of the way that our culture has been set up. And so anything that operates outside of the very narrow window of having sex, you know, while married to someone of the opposite sex or gender for the sake of procreation, Mm -hmm. like if it's not Mm -hmm. that narrow thing, anything outside Mm -hmm. of that leaves us really susceptible to shame, to think that there's something wrong or kind of sinful about it. All
0: right. So you don't think about it as much as I do. (laughs) laughter <laughs> I want to say hi to all the people who are listening out there. I'm getting very nice um, uh, notes from on Instagram um, and reviews on Apple iTunes that people listen to us. Aww. I want to say hi to my friend Amy Hill out in Hawaii, who never misses the show. Our friend Aww. Quinn Cummings, who is uh, on and always listens to the show. So thank you so much. Yes. Uh, we did start this podcast as a way of talking about mental health to kind of destigmatize it. And I've I've learned a lot from listening. I know you don't listen yeah. to the show.
1: I <laughs> I do listen to the show. I don't listen to every yeah. show, but I listen to every show because we do the show together. <laughs> like we're yeah. the created. So I hear. I pay attention. My,
0: my friend Amy, who listens to the show, was yeah. raving about you. Aww. And she said that you're very good at disseminating. I like that word. Yes. Disseminating.
1: Dissemination.
0: Disseminating. <laughs> yes. Um Information in a way that is academic but not patronizing.
1: Oh, oh that's like high praise. Yeah, that's really yeah, what you, I try to go for.
0: She said you seem very relatable, and you, you, uh, when you talk about diagnoses or or clinical things, you do it in a way that doesn't feel like you're, you're condescending condescending. Like Uh, I'm like, I would be, if I got two masters from Columbia.
1: (laughs) Well, I love that. I love that. You know, one of my, one of my favorite quotes is from Albert Einstein and he said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well enough. So anybody who's a little highbrow and, you know, use all kinds of clinical jargon, it's like, okay, what what are you using this information for except to just kind of boost your ego then? Cause most people aren't going to get it.
0: Right. Is that what he said after he came up with E equals MC squared?
1: I'm not sure where on the timeline that one uh, popped up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like you're quoting Albert Einstein. Um, so I came back and I, you know, it's, it's, I, I was thinking about it because we have a really great guest today. Yeah. We have uh, uh, one of the fun drag queens from, uh, well, they're all fun, but one of the especially fun drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race season 12, Rakam Sakura is yeah. here today. And is, is going to talk to us about uh, their sexual experiences.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how was your thanksgiving it i just feel like great. i want to i want to i, I want to touch base with you i want to catch up before we get into the deep conversation my thanksgiving
1: was great I'm, i have so much to be grateful for and i had a lot of great friends to share that day with so and yeah it was wonderful
0: where'd you go did you go anyplace <laughs>
1: i went to to. <laughs> Did you go to Lake Tahoe, that lake house? You-, <laughs> you were talking about so many things. didn't uh, go to Tahoe. I went a couple <laughs> blocks from my apartment over to my other friend's <laughs> apartment. And we all had, we all brought dishes over and had a lovely Thanksgiving. How was yours? Um, great. I was
0: with my in-laws. You you get that red face when I start asking you personal questions. And I'm not supposed to do that. i was supposed no, to maintain a No, I don't mind the personal questions.
1: I'm just like, where are we to, going? Yeah.
0: Where are we going with this? <laughs> I just want to touch base with you because it's been a I while. We didn't have a show last week I and I feel that. like I haven't seen you yes. in a long time. I actually haven't seen you in nearly two years, in even person. though we talk yeah. every week. <laughs> Listen, let's get to our guests. Yes, uh, please. Rakam Sakura, and we'll we'll talk to them all about sex and how much they think about it after <laughs> these important messages.
1: We are really looking forward to talking to our guest today. You may know her from her turn on season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race.
0: She is a singer, actor, drag performer, and YouTube sensation. Please welcome the one and only rockham Sakura. Hi. Yay. Hey, thank Yay. you so much for having Yay. me.
2: I brought, a, uh, I brought a prostate massager. Oh, um, yes. Let's birthday. get into it. We're going to talk about sex. It kind of looks like a duck, but it sounds like a bee. Watch.
0: <laughs> All right, okay, so show me show me the shape of that again, because it looks like a a, a misshapen- It's S for Sakura. Okay, so it hooks up. So is that the yeah, bottom- Yeah, how does that go? Does the bottom part go in your booty hole or what's okay, the top so part?
2: Imagine this is this is my butthole in my okay. prime. It yes. still opens and closes normally. Okay, okay it's not
0: like a, a torn pocket. It's like- not, a, No, yeah, not anymore. Okay. okay. It's not like a
2: pita you dropped on the ground. All so right. it's not it like goes- a hot
0: dog in a hallway. It's not like it knocks on the door
2: three times like this. It goes. And then I go, hello. And it goes, (laughs) may I come in? May I come in? And I'm like, all right. But this is an Asian household. So take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. (laughs) So then it takes off its shoes. And then it it goes in here.
0: Right. Now it's in the first chamber. It's in the first chamber here. Oh, this is like, we've got all Harry Potter now. There's chambers. There's a chamber <laughs> of secrets. Okay. Okay. So, so it's in the first
2: chamber. So while it's here, I'm awkwardly trying to put it in while standing up alone in an empty hallway. Okay. okay. Mind uh-huh. you. Yes. So okay. I push it in as hard as I can. I'm not relaxed or anything like that. Okay. It feels very funny. It okay. goes into the second oh, it keeps chamber. Going. It goes. Yeah. So oh. while we're right here, oh. this is on my perineum underneath like my balls, okay. the That's Grendel. On your taint. Ah. Yeah. Okay. On my taint. This goes to the end of the first chamber. This goes in the second chamber and this part right oh, Wait, No, this part right here, this part right here, massages the prostate.
1: Oh, see, okay. Matt, what, part, what parts vibrate? What parts vibrate? All of them? All of them. Uh, the whole thing. This part comes out. Uh, huh. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> okay. It doesn't come out. Okay, but it goes it goes this this section. But everything uh-huh. else is by transitive property.
0: Wow. wow. Okay. See, I'm dumb. I would have stopped at the first chamber. I would, I would have I too. and then I just would, had to dangle out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't uh, sure what the rest of the house yeah. Was for. I was. You're my kind of guest. You get into it right away. Perfect. And um, but I still want to maintain boundaries. This is a safe space. You're okay. with Matt, who is a brilliant psychotherapist with two master's degrees. So you're you're comfortable kind of speaking about uh, uh, uh sex and your experiences as a sex worker. Yeah, totally. Awesome. i was like matt you were a sex worker too wow can I you look look- So
1: confused. wait did i say you were a sex worker <laughs> no i wasn't exactly sure what the uh what this opening was. oh okay <laughs> no, no, well, no
0: no matt I'm, is a sex I'm worker as well no i'm kidding no he's not he's he's a very expensive therapist with a thriving practice
2: <laughs> oh, i'm very God. comfortable with talking about everything no boundaries no limits um Matthew, you're a psychotherapist. psychotherapist, Are those two separate words or is it like the same title?
1: It's all one word, the same title. Yes. Okay.
2: All right. Just making sure. Psychological
1: counselor and therapist. Yes.
2: Because I'm a psychotherapist too, but it's two separate (laughs) things. No master degree, just a Craigslist is the only difference between
1: the two of us. A kinship we share. Yes. I felt that. (laughs) <laughs>
0: I, I've always wondered with with sex workers, because you're not the first sex worker we've had on the show. Um mm-hmm. it all it all happens like what was your journey? Was it out of necessity or was it out of curiosity, or was it you just felt you had a natural acumen for this type yeah, of Yeah, how did it begin? Okay, so for me, I was like, let's
2: let's go like before the whole sex working and everything mm-hmm. too. Right. I was working in fast food for about 10 years. Oh gosh. And I at the same time for about 10 years I was with um the same partner, uh monogamous partner who was um bisexual leaning more towards straight. Mm-hmm. We didn't have too much sex. He hated my drag. Was a very kind of like verbally and mentally uh abusive relationship. I went out with him. Oh
0: yeah, exactly yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: I remember he yeah. um he has a thing for Filipino people. Yeah. So uh <laughs> <laughs> um but um, so after I got out of that relationship, I um, like I broke up with him and I quit my job and I wanted to do drag full time. OK, so I left my job and I moved to San Francisco because at the time and place, it was like, oh, if I moved to San Francisco, that's where all the drag is. That's where all the gay things are happening. That's okay. where I can really get my life together. Mm. Um, where were
1: you, Where were you coming from? San Jose,
2: which is like an hour away from San Francisco. So not that far physically, but emotionally, mentally, it was very, very far. Going to the bigger
1: city. Yes. Mm -hmm.
2: So I started to pursue drag full time and I didn't realize that in San Francisco, they pay you like $30 a gig Mm -hmm. and like, like $30 a gig. With tips and no one tips in San Francisco. So, I mean, I love San Francisco, but we don't get paid diddly doo doo Um, for any drag shows there. So it was hard to do drag full time. So one of my friends who was in sex work actually introduced me to the idea and the concept. And for me, I just I thought it was a great place to go from where I was. Um, doing how sex was it? Work. How was it introduced to you? Like, what was the way it was pitched?
0: You're well, like girl, I see that light bill and the past due notice. It? Are they saying like this is this is an easier way?
2: Pretty much, yeah. I was telling them like how expensive it was to be in San Francisco. Like, I couldn't afford any new wigs, new drag. I was constantly doing gigs and brunch gigs, and my friend was like, "Hey, if you." Uh, This is what I do. I don't know if you're comfortable with it, but Mm -hmm. this is what I do. I can introduce you to um, this kind of like sex work stuff that I do if you're comfortable with it. And for me, one of the ways it was introduced was he was like, the only thing is like, you have to like having sex with older men. And for me, that's not a draw at all. Like I, I really don't discriminate against people. And I actually Mm -hmm. really do like having sex with older men for various different reasons. Okay. We'll Mm -hmm. get into that. Um.
0: But I forgot the question,
2: but that's pretty <laughs> how much it, how, was, how, was how was it introduced it to, you? to yeah.
0: you? And then and then how does that lead to the first gig? Like, what are the mechanics of it?
2: Oh, um, basically what happened was after they introduced me to it, I got registered onto a site that a lot of escorts, a lot of sex workers are on. OK, Um, I made a profile. I took flattering pictures at i think at the time i was living in an artist commune with 26 other people i know and i still couldn't afford the rent i was on (laughs) i was on the roof in like a jock strap and i was like all right time to camera or timed photos on my samsung galaxy this is the height (laughs) of poverty (laughs) <laughs> so um I my first picture was me in a thong against a wall with my butt cheeks spread apart. You know, just uh, get right to the point. Yes. Arrest tax. Okay. All right. yes, yes. I create a website and I, I, you know, I kind of as a drag queen, you kind of know how to market yourself and you mm-hmm. kind of know like what people want. So okay. I think my name was like, oh my God, my name, I just remembered my name was AZN Bubble Butt.
1: It was A-G-N
2: bubble butt.
0: What does that stand for? I'm going to puzzle on that all afternoon. I think it's because I was
2: turning 24 to 25 and I was aging. So A-G-N was taken.
0: It sounds as if you're already the person at 24 who has no hesitations about this, has no kind of like, uh, you don't have like all the middle uh, class bourgeoisie you know, that I would have in, in pursuing something like this. You're like, totally. Is that who you were from the beginning? Well, I was raised by the streets and by that, I mean, um,
2: my growing up very early, my whole childhood, my mother was addicted to crystal meth. I'm sorry. So she was, uh, it's okay. It happens. Um, she still has some, if you want some, Mm. but you know, it's all fun. It's all fun. No, it's not fun. Um, but she's, she's sober. So it's all good now. Okay. So yeah, we have (laughs) a great relationship now. It's all fun. Yeah. Um, it's good to talk about, but <laughs> we had a very. Tum- I had a very tumultuous childhood. Um, we were very poor. I yeah. couldn't eat every day. Okay, was one of those things you think would yeah. keep me skinny, but it didn't. Um. So we was it just it, you and your mom? Yeah, I was about to ask the same thing. It was me and my mom, my older brother, and my little sister. Okay. So it was a lot. My father was like in and out of prison. Mm-hmm. Um. I and left where ha-
0: where are you in the birth order? middle. I am, middle.
2: I am the, the middle. You're the middle. I'm okay. the sexy prostitute Jam Brady of the situation.
0: And how, does, <laughs> how does, how does, how old are you when you're kind of aware of your economic situation that we're it? this is tough times and how old are you when that's happened? And, and you realize that your mother has a problem.
2: I think I was like 12 when I realized that not everyone drank powdered milk and that their mom shoots up in the bathroom. I okay. think it was that time. Mm-hmm. It was just yeah. when People, you know, it's, it's that budding time, you know, yeah. your balls drop and you're right. like, why am I drinking powdered milk? Right. You said you were, ra-
1: you said you were raised by the streets and that was also something that contributed to you ha- having just kind of more of an openness to sex and your sexuality. So how does, t- tell Well, I left that. the
2: house when I was 15 okay. because my mom stopped referring to me by name and would only refer to me by like the, you know, the, the, the. AZN uh, bottom. No. Yeah. yeah she would <laughs> yeah, yeah. only call me Rockham, And it was just like, I'm not performing right now. Um, no, she would, <laughs> can I say the, the gay slur on this? You can Let's say knock. anything yeah. you wish. Okay, my mom would call saying. me faggot. My okay. mom would stop calling me by my name. She would only call me faggot. Okay. Wow. Um, and that was after she, you know, found out that I was gay. My mm-hmm. computer from rent center outed me. Yeah. Um, so um, she would only call me that. So I left and I was homeless for a bit. And, okay. um a bit,
0: six months, a bit, a month, a bit. About a year. About mm. a year. Almost, oh, almost wow. a full year. So I was oh, jumping wow. from house
2: to house, jumping from friends, sitting okay. out of the park, um, going to school, eating only at school, things like that. So you're mm. still
0: going to school during this time while you're homeless. and Yeah, and I'm not telling anyone. Yeah. <laughs>
2: wow.
0: to, I'm just like, I smelled before. Right. I'm going to smell after. Are you couch surfing or are you homeless, homeless in San Jose?
2: Both. So okay. it's it's surfing with a mixture of like sleeping in the park.
1: What made you decide to keep maintaining your kind of like routine with school as opposed to, I don't know, just going off doing your own thing yeah. trying to find money oh, elsewhere? Yeah, two like meals that. a day. Oh, got oh. It. that was okay. it. It was
2: the one place where I could get a meal for like 20, 30 cents a day or okay. even for free. Uh, understood. Understood.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh,
2: it's also just like a big network of resources. Honestly, I would be in a different place if I didn't go to school and I didn't have the support of my friends at the
0: time. That's amazing. So after a year of homelessness, where do you end up? Who are you with?
2: Um, then I end up with my partner.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: who I was with for 10 years. For 10 that, years.
0: And uh, is he the manager of the uh, Gas and Sip or wherever you are, or the Burger King or the, yeah. No, he <laughs> was
2: the manager of being unemployed and middle class and in a white family. So okay. he had the uh... more means than I could you know, that than I had. All right. All right. So I got to live with him and basically okay. he got to take care of me. So there was a lot of like that with the dynamic. of. It was a very going.
0: paternalistic relationship. Do you feel it was controlling? Um, Yeah, for sure. It was very much like I'm a
2: parakeet
1: mm-hmm, and right.
2: uh, when the, the blanket goes over the cage, it's time to sleep. And when the blanket right. comes off, it's time to sing.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So from, from that, like kind of like when you, live your life constantly trying to survive you learn survival tactics Mm -hmm. yeah um and part of it too is um uh, dealing with shame and and dealing with uh all of these other things you kind of throw shame you kind of throw shame out the window eventually it just becomes a non-factor if part of your survival involves you not having shame or not having hesitation in the like with your own body, your own
1: body, then that's what you have to do. Okay. Let me ask you this question. So in a situation like that, especially, you know, kind of at such a young age too, is it the, is it in a way that you're able to recognize process your shame and move through it in kind of an expedited way, or is it almost like kind of a, a stuffing of it down because you just need to move forward and do what you need to do? Right. You're just trying to get through the day.
2: Um, I think, I think part of it is definitely stuffing all of it down because Mm. for sure, I'm sure you see a lot of people who they think they put it away, they expedite it and everything, but it just comes up later. Right. Right. So really what it is, what it is for me is all of those, those, those feelings kind of get um, for a lot of times, they kind of get like packed into a box and then we're going to pick them up. Maybe when we're having that midlife crisis.
1: Right, oh, right. Right. Because like, this I is, feel like-, we don't, like you don't have the luxury or the privilege at that particular moment to go through that. So you you pack it up, you set it aside because you need to survive. You have to right. move forward and do what you need to do. And I exactly. think that's, it,
0: that's a really common occurrence. And it's not like I walk around thinking about my shame issues all the time. But what I found in the conversations we have with people on the show Is that these issues, regardless, like no one is exempt? Like it's gonna come out somewhere. Yes. Yes. Either it's gonna manifest in the kind of relationships we have or our interactions with coworkers or family. How do you feel specifically those issues came up for you? How did they come out? How do they leak out? Which ones? Um, just you, you said shame in, in particular, was it shame about being queer, shame about being a sex worker? It was, um,
2: for me, uh, like a lot of shame as, uh, as a queer person kind mm-hmm. of manifested as a child and kind of just, here's one thing that kind of came up while I was on RuPaul's Drag Race was my mother used to blame her addiction on her kids, but she would blame her addiction on me. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, so I love my mother. I love her very dearly. Mm-hmm. For a lot of my childhood, I didn't get to grow up with her because I grew up with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. When I finally got into her care because my grandmother died, my grandpa went <laughs> right out the door. Yeah. Um, She kind of like dropped this whole like, oh, we d- I do drugs because of you sort of thing. So wow.
0: I love my mother.
2: Oh, I'm so um,
0: sorry. I, you didn't deserve that. I mean, you really yes, I you mean, that's be. no kid deserves that. To hear that from a a parent, and that's really tough that's yes. a that's a big that's a big thing to get over. Did you really personalize that? How old were you when you heard that? Um, I'd say I was like uh, twelve or thirteen
2: oh, the first gosh. time she said it wow. was okay. yeah, so it was like very early into her taking care of us, but she had a problem like as mm-hmm. an adult, um you realize that your parents are just kids taking care of kids.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just
2: kids taking care of kids. This is why straight people need to stop having
0: sex. And
2: you know what I mean? It's just
0: too easy. It's a they lot. Can, I they mean, can I'm, have a baby tomorrow. Yeah. You know, just- I'm, I'm a parent and I planned on it and I work on it and we mm-hmm. studied to be parents and it's still hard. So I don't know how anybody's flying by the seat of their pants. Now, I asked about how your issues manifested because for me, as a Filipino kid growing up in a very religious household, how my shame manifested, and I didn't realize it until years later, was in my sex and love addiction. I felt so much shame about who I was as a person. I sought validation sexually, externally. And I thought that that was going to save me. And I did that until that no longer worked for me. But it sounds as if... um, Okay, so you're in San Francisco, and you 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 have enough street savvy at this point to be like, this isn't a big deal. I can do this. A- a- am I correct in in yeah, saying that? And totally. was there? And I always wonder with sex workers, and we'll get to your first experience. What is there a disconnect of like, okay, I'm at work now. This isn't. A-
2: um, for me, there was. Uh, there wasn't too much of a disconnect, honestly, if if I'm thinking about it right now. I do like, I mean, a lot of gay people like, I like transactional sex. I like it. It's fun. It's cute. It gets rid of those urges, desires really quickly. I can move on. But one of the aspects that I really honestly, and I still miss it, I would still be doing sex work if it wasn't for having the, the fame spotlight constantly Mm -hmm. on me Mm -hmm. was I loved interacting with, People And listening to people and talking to especially older men who may or may not um, feel like treated differently within the gay community, Mm -hmm, too, mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of men who hire people for sex work don't feel um, desirable, uh, attractive in the gay community. They feel like they've lived past their expiration dates. And uh, I'm a very empathetic person. I like to listen. I like to talk and I like to comfort. I'm basically, basically I'm Matthew, but without two <laughs> master's degrees and I have sex with you. Well, that's. <laughs> you I ever mean, penetrate really, a psychotherapist? That's what's going on here. You ever met in your
0: therapist's butt? That's kind of what's going on. So you didn't well, have a disconnect. You kind of like went in deeper. Well, it but it's like. interesting. <laughs> to,
1: well, yeah, deeper, literally, quite literally, but also emotionally. And it sounds like the way that you're describing it, there is really kind of like a nurturing and a caretaking thing that happens for you too, when you're with some of these guys.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, part of it is in my last relationship, I was very much the nurturer and the caretaker. Yes. So to have these transactional kind of um, romps with nurturing and caretaking, but also being able to get out
1: of it really yes. quick
2: yeah, was therapeutic to me because I was just trying to get out of my codependency from my last relationship
1: Oh my God! Well, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're even using that word because all of this really—it seems like it just kind of—it makes sense in terms of what your experiences have been to have the experience where you're bouncing from your grandparents then to your mom with all of the addiction and all of the abuse that can happen there. That it's very common for, you know, kind of, you know, children or family members of people like that, then to learn that their value is almost rooted in their ability to take care of this kind of whirlwind, right? And so then you can kind of find yourself repeating those same dynamics, those same patterns. In romantic relationships, even in your work relationships as a sex worker, you're not even, you know, just having sex for the payment of it. There's also this other kind of transaction that's happening where you're nurturing and you're caretaking yeah. those people, too. So, it, you know, it kind of, again, kind of replicates that same thing.
2: I also did appreciate there were certain uh, certain clients that you would get in, in sex work and they would be they're pretty famous or they would have a lot of money mm-hmm. um, and they would take care of you. So Mm. every now and then I would love to be treated like the baby, you know? So I used to have a client he would get, um, he used to like, he would have a whole floor in a giant apartment building in San Francisco. He had Mm. art pieces from all over the world. A great view of the city from his apartment, just like a beautiful, like makeout chair. Um, after he would like throat bang me for like 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. um, I would be like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Also known um, as love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love. Mm-hmm. Um, once that was over, Afection. he would he would literally take me to the most expensive restaurants in San Francisco. Oh Wow. Everywhere. Because a lot of this a This is of some people, pretty woman
1: stuff happening here. I know.
0: Pretty I know. Yeah. How come you didn't end up with Richard Gere? Yeah. I would have been like, I did not oh, this is my I did bedroom over end here end
1: on, on this part here. of
0: the floor. Are you still with him?
2: Well, let's just say I used to have a hamster and I don't now. So.
1: Hey, um. whoa.
2: Oh. Uh, it's always hey, a hamster thing. Yeah, he neither here.
1: confirmed nor denied that it was nor Richard Gear. Yeah. Let's ask the vet. Oh. I mean, doctor.
0: Um, <laughs> but because um, <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like you have a really emotionally. In- it sounds as if you had a, a very emotionally intimate relationship with a lot of these men. And did it ever? Did any of them ever cross over into like, oh, this is? Oh, good question. You know? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. not
2: i i don't really want to talk th- that's the one
0: thing i don't want to okay. talk about that All one right. aspect okay, that, that's the boundary that's the okay. one good. your eyes did boundaries. shift from side to side we as if you boundaries. were judging it. very good okay. communication it's Gavin Newsom it's somebody's it's somebody <laughs> famous it's Tom Cruise it is he's right over to the side and you are living uh... in his uh bubblegum palace <laughs> of in his this technicolor room he keeps you in a bottle like genie like I major Nelson. i was trying Nelson. to get that
2: pretty a pretty woman situation every Uh, single day of my life i'd be like yeah i wonder if someone could change my life (laughs) right 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 i Um, do everything um, but kiss on the lips to the opera yeah right (laughs) exactly. (laughs) but um no for uh for me i did have a couple of like romantic stints in in um in this work and i still see some of my clients just not as Mm -hmm. as clients i still see them we still have Name names romps and everything. Um, <laughs>
0: Name names the Gavitt. No, was- <laughs> kidding, kidding. No, I've never.
2: But um, I still see them, and I still have that sort of aspect with them. But I remember one one client that I was like, "Oh, I hope this turns into something." Was a he was a client from Brazil. He would hire me for a month, and he oh, hired wow. me for a month because. See this? Do you see this mm-hmm. bottle of spray paint?
1: imagine two of these
2: stacked on top of each other oh
1: gotcha Um, so
2: that is what he was given to work with so he would book
1: me
0: for the month so that if i ended up it would take a whole month to like uh, uh, get to the second chamber no
2: (laughs) (laughs) it'd be like the first day um it'd, it'd be like the first day would be like all right i'm I'm probably good. I'm probably loosened for the rest of the month. Got it. So right, right. Um, he would like get the whole month so that we could kind of like uh, go slow. My slow, yeah. I mean like three times a day, every single day. Yeah. So he gave me like wow. thousands and thousands of dollars.
0: Uh, I should hope so. Yeah. Hazard pay, because um, I'm I'm five four, and if a, a guy's really big, it's like parallel parking a bus. <laughs> like <laughs> to do all those chambers, it's like moving a couch into a one bedroom <laughs> apartment in the East Village. It is like there's some maneuvering involved, exactly. So, so you're saying that you almost had a relationship with month long Brazil? Um, pretty much, yeah. the The
2: main thing was that it was just so hard for him to come down every single month, or not every single month, but like come down consistently and just visit me and talk with me he was great though he he would start off with a song and then one two another song and then three take a shower sleep in the bed and there was i always remember there was a um a painting above the bedroom Uh and it was a monkey in an like a like a
0: medieval outfit with a lute okay and um he's i love that artist he's that's, that's a really yeah that's a really cool artist they do with like a a, a a monkey i i just know because i have fakes hanging in my hallway yeah of um, course this artist i forget the name uh ad- addresses people as royals as people of a royal court uh-huh. and they're usually orangutans or chimpanzees it's very cute.
2: oh this oh you weren't fucking with me that was real
0: no <laughs> no that was real so this is real
2: yeah. monkey in a monkey with a loot this
0: is a yeah. thing yeah yeah, I had no idea. Here we go. I you're have. pretty. You're so pretty. <laughs> you're a very pretty lady. So, okay. So you're doing this to support your drag career. Yeah. Are the wigs getting better? Are the gigs becoming more affordable? Do you have a place to live? It does it. Does it liberate you financially? Um, it liberates me in a lot of ways,
2: actually. Okay. Um,
0: part of it too was
2: moving to San Francisco. I felt very kind of gross because. Living in the Castro or living near the Castro, um, there's so many sexually attractive men in like a very like white cis muscly sort of way that Mm. kind of like Mm -hmm. makes you feel a little bit weird about being a A brown person, a brown person, like a, Mm -hmm. a girly looking brown person. So it's like a monolithic in the Castro still. Yeah, it still feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a racist that owns like three or four buildings in there and we just can't seem mm-hmm. to. The Hamburger Mary's there is owned by a known racist. Really? So, yeah. So oh. don't don't support them. Don't go to Toad Hall. Don't go to the Badlands in San Francisco. Racist. Mm. Um, we were calling them out by name during the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but Was
0: he the one who used to like? Uh, they had a racist door policy, like only white people were being let in. Oh, into yeah, I think so. The bar, yeah, really? I'm pretty sure that's about what that. it is. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Um,
0: okay. But uh, so moving to San Francisco, you felt gross being around the Castro, and, and then doing the
2: sex work actually helped uh, kind of boost my my ego and self esteem in a lot of ways because if I kind of like broke it apart and was like, someone saw a picture of me, looked at my bio, and said this person is cute enough for me to hire for mm-hmm. right, transactional stuff, mm-hmm. like to, to pay and quantify, like put money yeah. in and okay. have sex with them. So it yeah. helped with
0: that. It also- Because wouldn't that be mortifying, Matthew? What? If you put an ad and like, nobody was like, no, pass. Exactly. <laughs> a hard pass yeah. for me. No, thank you. I saw your ad and the answer's no. Yeah. Sometimes people would
2: message it like, I saw your ad and you need to take a better picture. <laughs>
1: Well, listen, I, uh, I've worked with sex workers over the years too. And I remember one in particular who I used to work with, um, years ago, and he was talking about the experience of being an aging sex worker and Mm, how challenging mm -hmm. that was because when he first started, he was young, he was cute. He got a lot of attention. He got a lot of clients. It was not a problem. And then over the years, he's like, he's like, Matt, one day I woke up and I just looked in the mirror and I thought, who the fuck is this old man? And it was just kind of like from then on, it, he could just he could just tell that he really was not getting the same number of clients. And he was he's not
0: getting the daddy gigs. He's not getting no, he like, just, that, that's yeah. not a currency. He, he, in the he wasn't getting world. it in the
1: same way. And he could uh, see kind of like some of the looks of disappointment when clients would walk right. in and see him in person and that kind of thing. And he said it was really challenging.
2: It feels like drag gigs and acting gigs where there's always someone younger, someone fitter, and someone prettier than you just around the corner. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of one of those things that you could just kind of, it's part of the industry and you just, I mean, you kind of have to accept it or you have to make it a part of you. You have to like really embrace who you are as a person, performer, whatever, in order to um, not just save yourself mentally, but keep yourself booked. Because no one wants someone who's clinging on to a past.
1: Yeah, you know. Mm, well, let me ask. Okay. Let me ask you this question because you're. I think you're talking about an, a number of things that are really fascinating in terms of like how you are understanding yourself in the world, how you value yourself, that kind of stuff. You know, and when again, when you're growing up with uh, a um, an addict for a parent, when you're homeless you know, as a, as a queer person, as a sex worker, as a performer, there's so many different ways that you can learn how to value yourself really irrationally. Right. Like as if like, you know, caring for your mom or having to be that kind of cheerleader in any kind of way, or, you know, being a sex worker and getting attention for being cute or giving Mm -hmm. the sex that you can give or being a performer and doing what you can do there. So how have you been able to not over invest into those things as any kind of real sense of what makes you valuable and and find other ways where you're able to have a, a kind of a, That's a great a deeper question. sense that your value is inherent and not rooted in any of that stuff.
2: Well, I just look at Instagram followers. I just look at the number right there. <laughs> I just look at all those optics. I look for external yes, validation the true everywhere parameter. I can. Social media. Yeah. What I do is I, um, I just take loads Bareback anonymously, and then at the end of the <laughs> month, I just drop them all into a bucket, and I look at the ounces. Yeah, I go, ah, that's how much validation. <laughs> there we, have we are. This- yeah, yes. that
0: sounds like a very reasonable plan. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm a person who believes that you should measure your own uh, self worth. If you if you can't not value your measure your value externally, if you just can't not do it, yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
2: measure your value with um just like other people's uh, like one other person's reverence and respect for you like whether it's your mom or your uh like your friends or anything like that so i i like to kind of put my value as a person on like the relationships that i have with other people that are close and and earnest that's a good barometer yeah i'm not a person who has like a lot of friends but i'm a person who has a lot of very close-knit
0: Really I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, same. I'm the same way. Yep. You know what I love about this conversation is you don't seem fucked up about it. No. You don't seem tortured about it. You don't seem, and I think that people might, you know, the, the, when you say sex worker, all these assumptions come into play. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing about being a sex worker that you know of that you want people to know about? Honestly, you just, you get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> no thank if, you if one, that, this has been a great program everybody yes. don't
1: forget to tune that's in that's the tagline no. for sex worker you, guess, you but, get fucked
2: uh if there's one thing i could i could really just convey to people that want yeah. to know about sex work is that um it's what you put into it it doesn't right. you don't have to be like work in the red light district you don't have to Um, You don't have to be online or anything like that. It it, it really is kind of whatever you dictate. But the main Mm -hmm. thing is be safe. Know someone in the industry that is doing it first and have those those lines. You know, I've had so many instances where I haven't felt safe, but I felt safer because someone knows where I am.
1: Yeah. yeah. How
0: do you, how do you, yeah. What's the routine? Think how we do you spoke, establish we, boundaries? We spoke
1: about this. I, I remember with Dominique Jackson and she was talking yeah. about the same thing about how, you know, you know, other people and you're mm-hmm. able to kind of, you know, stay in touch with each other. You can track each other. Yeah. It also makes
0: you feel less alone because they would track each other. Dominique was saying that she would like, she would never go someplace without telling a girlfriend where she was and everything. So when you're with somebody, when you were with somebody new, how do you establish the ground rules? Is that in a text beforehand or in meeting somebody?
2: I I used to have uh, like a copy paste text with like what I do, um, what my rates were, how long Mm -hmm. it was for how many like hours or days and everything. Um, so I, I used to do management, so it was just like the less questions that people have to ask, the less questions they're going to ask. It was like, it was literally FAQ sheets for my butt.
0: (laughs) Please please keep your hands and arms in the vehicles at all times until we (laughs) can If you have
2: any pacemakers, please make them known now. Turn off any cell phones before, you know what I mean? (laughs) It was like no recording and all the other stuff. So I would just lay down the ground rules. Um, a lot of times I, you don't get to talk to this person physically voice wise or text Mm -hmm. over phone. You learn a lot of, uh, tips and tricks along the thing. First thing, if you open the door, they smell like alcohol, get out of there Two: If they're text messaging you and they say that your rates are too high, get out of there because they're not going to treat you as a person and they don't value you as a person. If they look at your value, they say you're too expensive. They don't care about you. Uh Um, third, let's see. One, two, three. Oh. The third one is if they sound shady, don't do it. If they sound really? shady or you get a vibe, oh. don't do it.
0: Um, if you get a vibe, you you trust that vibe. That alcohol sounds like a hard and fast rule. Were there experiences where you were like, this is sloppy and you're weird and not rational, I'm leaving? I had a guy who did
2: uh, all three. So <laughs> I wow. got a bad okay. vibe from him. Um, okay. I answered the door and he was drunk because a lot of a lot of straight people, they try to kind of like get through it or get through these urges by getting drunk and losing yeah. their inhibition, trying that. Yep. Oh yeah, don't don't okay. do that. But um, and you're
0: like, it's just we love me. Why <laughs> <you're> so <laughs> scared about, <laughs> <you> <laughs> scared no. about drunk?
2: he got drunk and he uh I wanted to leave and he blocked the door no. and okay. was starting to get belligerent and violent. So mm-hmm. I did what any normal person would do to kill two him. naked men. I actually grabbed him by the uh i grabbed him by the waist and Mm -hmm. i suplexed him um so i suplexed him over my shoulder and he was like oh god and so from there i left wow so uh learn how to suplex people i was gonna say that's tip number four. i had never done it before but i watch a lot of anime
1: yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I lo- by the way, I love all of those tips, especially for anybody who's listening and is, you know, kind of considering sex work. Yeah. Or even if you're not really in sex work,
0: it. I mean, those are pretty good rules anyway. Know sure. your worth yeah, people. Absolutely. Yeah. Know your sure. worth.
2: And, and uh, I don't know if this is, I, if we had this context before, but I'm sober. Uh, mm. I, I don't drink or do drugs. So okay. it's good to be coherent. There's a lot of people I had, a, I had a client who, would hire other sex workers to have sex with me. Yeah. And once he hired a guy that was so drunk, so high, just on poppers that he just couldn't do anything. And he was just not mm-hmm. coherent. It, it felt like he didn't enjoy the situation. Uh, another thing is you have to enjoy having sex with uh, older men. It's going to be a, a more pleasant situation. It's all old you. guys. It's not. All, no, no, it's not all old guys. Mm. I used to get like really. Yeah. I used to get one of my regular clients was like a big buff um, muscle man that would do bodybuilding competitions.
1: Mm-hmm. So he was
2: very cute, very attractive. He was mm. the last client I had, and I told that story of my last client at um, at a college recently. Uh-huh. Right. So that one's always fun to tell. But um, <laughs> but it's not it's not always older men. But a, a, a big plethora of them. Are older men? They're not. They're not unattractive most mm-hmm. of the time. But they're, they're just, just older. like the,
0: let's take the guesswork out of this and um, hire a sex worker so that it's guaranteed that this is going to happen. Yeah, um, I appreciate my, that okay. aspect. I
2: love transactional sex. That is going to happen. We
0: are nearing the end of this podcast. There's so much more I want to ask you, but before we wrap up, I want to know like when you make the tra- when do you make the transition from because you say you miss it. Mm-hmm. when do you make the transition of, okay, I'm a drag queen now and the sex work is over. And is it over? Okay, well,
2: okay. So just going back to my last story, I went to a guy's house in San Francisco. This is after Drag Race, after we filmed, before we get released. So I didn't okay. have any money still. So I still had to pay okay. my rent and everything. Um, I go to this guy's house. He literally looks like, uh, I would say like Schmiegel, but in like an Argyle oh, no. shirt and like pants. Um, he was a writer and would write books about Asian, like, you know, like Asian, gay, Asian sex workers having sex with older men. So that was kind of his erotica. That was his erotica. That was his thing. That was, he was a writer for that. Great.
0: And you're like the spank bank material showing up.
2: Kind of, but I got him. the first thing he said was, oh, I usually like them a lot fatter than you. And he was like, you're not fat enough. And he just kept like ripping me a new one. He was just like, Oh, um, you're not as pretty as I thought you were gonna be. Um, wow. which I used to get the compliment that I look better in person, but you know, that's you know, I'm not holding on to that. Right, but right, right. We get naked and he's just like, Are you sure you don't want to do this for $40 less? And I, literally Schmiegel oh, is there no. ripping me apart, saying I'm too expensive. Oh no. I'm too and I'm not fat enough. And I literally just was like, I don't need this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what? This has been the most delightful <laughs> conversation. <laughs> it really has. I say that in all sincerity. I I love I love your openness. I love your yeah. you're so carefree and your you, candor. You, yeah, you understand it, it seems as if you've arrived at an understanding about yourself and who you are, yeah. and it's all
2: good. Yeah. Well, part of it too is if you're you're out there listening to this right now and you have a lot of baggage that keeps you down if you're able to if you can you have to really understand that if you've had a very bad childhood um, everything is just up from here Mm -hmm. I've had the worst childhood and experiences possible everything just piled on together Mm -hmm. I know for a fact in my brain it cannot get any worse than anything I've already experienced. The mm, worst man. is done. Mm. And, and it's also just like, if you keep that in mind, then everything is, is a great experience. Everything is a new day. And it's it's so good to not be bogged down by, by those things. It's yeah. great to acknowledge them and help
0: you keep moving forward. Yes,
1: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the hot message of the day, Rockham. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on your socials? If you guys want to follow me at all,
2: I am on YouTube. Instagram and Twitter at Rockham You can also go to rockhamsakra.com and get some of my merch. If you want to support me, you can go to patreon.com slash We have lots of tiers in our Patreon that help support all of my amazing, amazing endeavors. They're not amazing, but all of my endeavors. Mm. Please consider supporting me. I would absolutely love that. And last but not least, if you see me on the street, don't be afraid to say hi. I love saying hi to people. Aww. <laughs> I do. I really do. Sometimes people like, I love it. I'm scared to talk to you. I'm like, girl, I put on a wig on TV for two episodes.
0: We love you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank Thank you you. so much for having me. Nice meeting you, Matthew. Thank you, Alec. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. Matthew, what an adventure. We just went on. That was really, and, and I love that she was so open and so, uh, so generous. You know, it, it's, I just love that yeah, conversation. I, too. I love conversations I with people too. like yes. that. What's your hot message for the day?
1: Uh, I guess I, I kind of love what Rockin was saying about, uh, you know, reflecting on the shit that happens to you in your life and, and really recognizing that it can go up from there. I think also just kind of adding on to that is it's a choice for us to frame it that way because not everybody can experience those kinds of things and have a perspective that there's opportunity right. for that but we we always have that within reach and uh you know so if we're able to find that and be able to frame things in that way then that can help us manage things so we then can take more of the steps forward so that we can have more of the life that we want that's what i would say
0: yeah i mean tell yourself i yeah I mean, I love that thing. You can. It can only go up. Yeah. I love that after the bad experiences. What's your hot I've message? Le- I've learned to never tell myself it can't get any
1: worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's just bad luck. Uh, My, my, my message is uh, don't judge yourself. uh, This is my lesson in learning uh, in this conversation today. So what I think about sex a lot. Big deal. Yes. Big deal. I mean, that conversation just made me feel so non judgmental about who I am. It's like, what's the big deal? What's the, why was I even thinking it was a big deal? I guess think because I was on my own. That's it. Uh Uh-huh. Where can people find you on your (laughs) socials,
1: big boy? (laughs) You can find me at MJ Dempsey Psych on Instagram. Uh, I'm not really using Twitter and Facebook anymore, so don't bother. You can find me at Alec Mop on
0: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on Instagram. And you can leave us messages. If you're listening to the show and you enjoyed it, leave us a great review. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, We love talking about mental health. And we'll be back next week with more Hot Mess Fun. We'll see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Ciano, LaFern Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatti. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horenigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.